Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed today to have Father Basil Cole. Father Basil is a Dominican at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. He's a prolific author. He's taught at the Dominican House and also at the Angelicum in Rome. A special welcome to you today. Thanks. Glad to be here. Today the topic is St. Joseph. March is one of the chief feasts in honor of St. Joseph is March 17th. And so, Basil, you've written a number of articles on St. Joseph. What, what what has just attracted you to just to get to know or write about St. Joseph? When I was a prior in San Francisco at St. Dominic's, I had a major problem with the school roof because we owned the building. I wasn't pastor, but I was a superior, but we owned everything. So I had to take kind of take care of major repairs, etc. And and so somebody that we kind of got the roofer and he came in and said, well, you got a problem here and it's going to cost such and such and so and so. And I know I needed money. So I, I began in a little novena to St. Joseph saying, come on, can you give me some cash? I need it. <laughs> and sure enough, within two days, one day, a fellow calls me at five o'clock in the morning and I'm not on duty, but how I got the phone call, I don't know. And he's just going wild. He's a parishioner. Yes. Uh, and, uh, he, and he just had his first charismatic meeting and it's kind of unhooked him. So I calm him down and explain to him, don't, don't worry about it. Just, you, you know, you're, you've never prayed this way before. And then the, he did the thing the second time, 5.30 in the morning or whatever it was. And he, blah, blah, blah. And I had to calm him down again. And I was now pooped. So at noon that day, I calmed down. I, went to, I called up the, I said to the switchboard lady, don't call me up. I'm taking a long nap. <laughs> and within five minutes, she called me up. And it was it was him again, and uh, Larry. And he says, "Father, I'm so grateful. Thank you immensely. Is there anything I can do for you?" And I said, "Oh, he wants to take me to Fisherman's Wharf for dinner. I don't want to do that." <laughs> I said, "Well, you could give a hundred dollars to our parish school because it was inner city." And he says, "I want to do something better than that." He says, "Well, I've got a problem on the roof. Can you pay for it? It'll be about sixteen hundred bucks." He says, it's done, Father, provided you don't tell my wife. <laughs> now, earlier than that, in my life as a deacon, Holy Week, I read this incredible a theological book on Joseph. Yes. And it really pumped me up a lot about St. Joseph. During Holy Week of all times. Wow. Instead of thinking about the passion and death of Christ, right, right. I was thinking about St. Joseph and his relationship to the Incarnation and all that stuff. It was written by a Spanish Dominican named Yamara. You won't find it anywhere. Okay. It's probably no longer in existence. So anyway, combination of both of that and then 
kept me going. And then eventually I wound up teaching in Rome for a semester. One, I had one entire semester teaching the theology of St. Joseph wow. when John Paul II came out with Guardian of the Redeemer. That's right. An unknown document to most, but it's all on St. Joseph and it's incredible work. I've read it 20 times and it's still fabulously valuable to read. And it's a short read. Yes, it is. It takes about an hour at right. most. Right. So someone can probably get it on the internet. Easily. You go to the Vatican you don't even have to go to the Vatican website. Just type in Guardian of the Redeemer and you'll probably see all kinds of places you can download. So there is, and especially as Catholics, we know there's a lot of people who listen who might not be Catholic, but the, this devotion to St. Joseph, the intercession of the saints and how they're active mm-hmm. in our world and, and whether it's building projects or, or or other things, how in the life of a, of a Catholic or a Christian that we invite the saints uh, who intercede for us, who pray for us, to point us ultimately to Christ. Absolutely. And they don't, they're not independent of Christ. They're not independent. It all has to come through Christ anyway. Right. He likes, he just likes to get people involved, especially his, his dad on earth, as it were, you know, his fostering dad on earth. That's right. And Joseph is fascinating because he never spoke in scripture. Right. He probably spoke, but but we don't know what he said. Right, right. Yeah, the, the, it's almost like the silence of St. Joseph. Tell me more about even just Joseph's background. Sometimes in paintings they have, you know, he's pictured as an older man, or was he older or younger? Was that a, what was that all about? Well, that's a long story. It has to do with a pseudo-gospel that's not accepted by the church as a gospel. Oh, I forgot the name now since you've caught me without <laughs> research. I think it might be the gospel of, pseudo-gospel of James or something where all of a sudden the Blessed Virgin Mary is going to be married to somebody that's going to be oh, for, her, for, for her protection, and a bunch of men are lined up, and this guy has got, is an older fellow who's been married before, apparently, and his, and his wife is dead, and, and his staff turns into a lily. And that's why you'll sometimes see a lily portrayed in the statues of St. Joseph. And mm-hmm. that, that more or less became the... The, the, the insight into Joseph as an older man at the same time. And there was there was no devotion no to that to speak of. And maybe in the Eastern Church there was, because I'm ignorant about the Eastern Church stuff. Yes. But most uh, people in the West didn't give him too much credit. It wasn't until really St. Teresa of Avila that the mm-hmm. whole movement towards a deeper understanding of Joseph took place. And then slowly but surely, as scholars started to study the customs of the way people got married, uh, looking at it more naturally seemed uh, more reasonable. And generally speaking, marriages were made by matched parent, right. parents matching. And so we would presume, therefore, in that light, that he would be a younger man. And so you have statues where he looks like an old guy, and there's statues where he looks like young, and the church doesn't say which is which. Although it looks like when you read this document of uh, John Paul that that Joseph is portrayed more of a virginal husband and therefore that would imply that he was in fact young and therefore he was not married before and therefore the phrase brothers and sisters that are used in the Old Testament or the New Testament about Jesus don't imply Joseph's offspring but a common, common usage of calling neighbors, brothers, and sisters. 
And even and even cousins, it was like the, exactly. the children that are said the brothers and sisters of Jesus right, right. have another mother's name in yes in yes, the New Testament. Yes. Right, absolutely. So yeah, anyway, so that's, that's sort of that reality. that's sort of a, a little mini understanding of why he's considered old in one area and younger in another area, and especially after Teresa, all of a sudden you get churches named after him. Right in the in the West, at least now the East, I I, I remain ignorant. So let's let's talk a little bit about Teresa's influence. What, what did she do, or what was it that really? She kept saying to people that every time she asked for a favor from Joseph, he always answered it. And uh-huh. she was, you know, founding fourteen, I think fourteen monasteries. There could have been more, could have been less, since I don't have my books in front of me. And yes, I don't know the exact number, but she was constantly in, in interceding with him. Well. When everybody thinks you've got a saint in your midst, and then that particular person says to go to Joseph, ah, it's going right. to happen. Like Andre Bisset up in Canada, the same thing. That's right. This would produce that magnificent shrine to St. Joseph in, where is it? In Montreal. Montreal, yeah. Montreal, and the fact, and that that is, it's a very rich understanding of members of the body of Christ, and even special Joseph's role in the life of Jesus and Mary. But the fact that they still interact in our lives, they still intercede for us in the letter to the Hebrews, it says, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Yeah. So that sense of, of Joseph, mm-hmm. part of our life. Tell me about the the staircase of St. Joseph, that famous out in, is it New Mexico? Yes. Uh, yes, it's in a hotel now, unfortunately. Oh, okay, It belonged yes. to a monastery of sisters, and it yeah. was built in such a way that nobody, and it, they could never figure out how it could possibly be built. It, not even nails were used, or wooden, wooden things kept together, and it, and it was, an old man apparently came and did this, and it was, then he disappeared. And that's as far as I know with the with the so the story is it's the church has never made a decision that that was right. Joseph, but it's it is a kind of a miraculous uh, stairwell to go from one part of the church to the choir loft. Yeah, apparently when they built the church, the choir loft was so high it's literally about two stories high, and they didn't design a staircase. Oh. And the sense that they asked the intercession of Saint Joseph, and this man showed up, and he built this staircase that shouldn't. It, it it shouldn't hold the weight of a person. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. pegs. There's no supports. Right. Right. And and the man mysteriously left after that, asking the intercession of Saint and Joseph. I so think it's the, the wood is not common around there. So I believe it was arguably they said this wood is has an origin in trees that are in the Holy Land. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a certain type of wood that was not common in the United States, but was common in the Holy Land. So it was this mysterious, the miraculous staircase. My understanding too, it was for. You know, several hundred years, would people would walk up and down, up and down. They've they've ceased letting people walk up and down, but it's this miraculous staircase. It's worth looking. If you've never heard about it or heard the story, it's worth learning more about. We're going to pause for a moment, but what a great blessing having Father Basil Cole speaking about Joseph and devotion to St. Joseph. We'll be right back in a moment. May God bless you. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Nearly 1,000 Maryland students and teachers from non-public schools, including many Catholic schools in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, gathered in Annapolis March 4th to advocate for state programs benefiting non-public schools. Students spoke to lawmakers about the Boost Scholarship Program, non-public school safety, textbook and aging schools programs, and pre-kindergarten expansion programs. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? 
Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. We're blessed to have today Father Basil Cole. Father Basil is a faculty member at the Dominican House of Studies. He's a prolific author. And today we're talking about, uh, in this month of March, where St. Joseph is honored on March 17th, we're talking about growing in imitation of St. Joseph, in imitating his virtues, in asking for his intercession, the very Catholic understanding of the saints are very active in the world. But let's go back to just the scriptural stories of St. Joseph. And specifically, it's connected with God speaking to him through several dreams. Can you speak to that? Well, the first time we see the word dream in the sacred scripture is when he's ready to divorce Mary, simply because he feels unworthy. That's generally the, the, the opinion. There are two other opinions. We need to go on and go in through that. And that's when the scripture says that he has, he goes into a, a sleep and he dreams. But the Greek is a little different. The Greek word suggests intense thought and reflection. So we could probably say that he went into some kind of a natural ecstasy, which yes. is like a dream. Yes. And it's there that the angel basically says, take Mary as your wife, take the child as your child, and that's it. And so he changes his mind. And in John Paul II's document, Guardian of the Redeemer, he says at that point, Joseph was given by the Holy Spirit a conjugal heart, which implies a certain affectivity towards your wife mm -hmm. without it being a sexual, because for a number of reasons they were, they were going to be virgins. And then secondly, he gives him a paternal heart. 
so that even though he hasn't generated this child, the God-man, he's willing to treat him as a father treats his son. And so that keeps it on a very highly natural, supernatural backslash plane. And as a result of that, he's able to raise Jesus and to also love Mary in a very natural, supernatural way, while at the same time being a virgin to keep Mary's virginity going. See, Then, when you think about all that happening, then you realize that he's going to have to show, as a father shows to his sons, how does a man live in a very uh, Jewish world as he was living. So he taught uh, Jesus how to sing, how to read. Now you say, well, Jesus is God. Of course he's God. But he also acts like man and suppresses that side of him in order to teach us some things. So he obeys Joseph, listens to Joseph, and then he learns the trade of Joseph. Yes. Now, what that does is show him how to deal with men, men with men, because because Joseph has to sell his products, he has to get bills, he has to haggle, he has to buy things, etc. And so he, the boy tags along. And so as the boy becomes the teenager, then we see how Joseph has to argue when people won't pay their bills. Or when they're haggling, how to do it politely and all the rest of it. And then he also, as a teenager, notices how Joseph is tender towards his wife. And that's going to influence Jesus' ability to be merciful to women and understand women, etc. So all the time, while he's acting like a male, a loving male, a virtuous male, he's training Jesus' future Ministry. In fact, we can say that while Joseph wasn't there at the passion and death of Christ, as was Mary, he still prepared Jesus for his the sacrifice on the cross, even though he's not there. He prepared Jesus for his public ministry, even though he wasn't involved in the ministry. Just like teachers prepare their yes. children for all kinds of things later on in life, you know. We can also say that humanity of Joseph then becomes a kind of an exemplary cause, an example cause of, to Jesus so that he's able to react accordingly. And so that's why you'll notice Joseph and Jesus acts tough from time to time with his apostles. Yes. And he, you know, Jesus whips a few people out of the temple and gets angry when right. they're selling things. You wouldn't find Mary doing that. It's not a feminine thing to do, you know. So the humanity of Joseph, virtues of Joseph then, are displayed to Jesus, that he in turn loves, and that he in turn practices on the purely human level. That's sort of one of the most important things we can think about Joseph. Also, we got to keep in mind, too, at the time that the angel appears to him, and there's at least four times when the angel comes to, to Joseph, there might have been more for all we know, is when he has to leave town and go to Egypt. If you remember that incident of of Herod wanting to kill babies over two years old, we can say that, therefore, Joseph saved the Savior. Yes. We don't think of that too often, but without his obeying the angel, Jesus might have been murdered in the purely hypothetical order of things. So... 
he takes Mary and Jesus to uh, Egypt and, and he has to trek 200 miles on foot. Maybe there's a donkey, we don't know. But that was kind of a hearty kind of a guy and a very imaginative guy to be able to take care of the family that way. There was a movie that came out probably about 10 or so years ago called The Nativity. Some people could argue whether <laughs> it was of strong quality. But, there, but the one thing that everyone said who watched the movie was, Joseph, you really grew to love St. Joseph. And they depicted Joseph as a very sacrificial person and caring for Mary. And they have the scene in the gospel when they're fleeing to Egypt and they're low on food. And Joseph gives his food to Mary and to the donkey and gives his food away and sacrifice to them. Mm -hmm. And it just shows the sacrificial nature that Joseph would have had and just the tenderness, the tender care. Those two virtues are the effect of chastity. And when you don't have chastity, you're not going to be sacrificial and you're not going to be kind and a lot of other things because you're egocentric. I'm just quoting out of St. Thomas Aquinas when he says <laughs> that, you know, that one of the terrible daughters of lust is self-centeredness, pride, arrogance, all the rest of it, yeah. selfishness. Yeah. There's also a, in Guardian of the Redeemer, I remember uh, reading on, on a trip with several priests up to Montreal to the big the, the shrine, shrine of St. Joseph, oh, yeah. St. Andrew Bizet. And as we were going there, we're reading out loud. Uh, and I remember just reading a quote from John Paul that said, he was the closest confidant of Mary. Mm-hmm. And I remember just realizing, like I've always, you know, held Mary up there. If here was the one that was completely surrendered, completely open to God, if he was Mary's closest confidant, he had to have been someone special. Of just, I've, I just had never thought about Saint Joseph that often. But to realize if she's someone who would have trusted on him and leaned on him and and just loved him and he her, it really opened my thinking to realize Joseph was a special person that I just haven't thought a, a lot about. Also. He was in charge. He's the head of the family. That's right. So he's got the queen of heaven on the left hand and Jesus on the God on the right hand. And he has this ministry over them that's greater than being pope, priest, or bishop. That's right. We're, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're nothing compared to that kind of a relationship. It's above the sacraments. It's above the priesthood. Right. Beyond and above. There's also a sense, I don't know if it's in some private revelation, of Joseph's role before the end of time. Joseph's role, and just like there's been some Marian apparitions, I know there's a devotion to the chaste heart of Joseph mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and other things where he's had some prominence in more recent years. Yes, there is a... Pri- oh, gosh, I I vaguely recall the, something about end times in Joseph, but it's it's gone. I sure. can't remember. Can't That's right. Remember when I was discerning priesthood... Diocesan priesthood, I was going back and forth like, I don't know, I could go this way, I could go that way. And my sister said, you should do a novena to St. Joseph. And I'm like, okay. And she and, and there's the famous quote that says, if you pray this novena, your prayer will be absolutely heard. It was this really pious language. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm yes, like, yes. okay, I'll pray a novena to St. Joseph because sure. I just want to know either way. Yeah. And I started praying this novena. Well, in the course of the novena, I went on a silent retreat. And on this silent retreat, when I came back from it, I was kind of still going back and forth, and I was talking to somebody, and and I had a friend of mine that would ask me questions, and she would say, Brian, like, what's holding you back from priesthood? And I was like, well, there's this, there's that. And she had just had her wisdom teeth taken out, so she was a little bit uh, a little bit drowsy and sitting on the couch, and she said, Brian, you've already said yes with your heart. You just have to say, I will. And she <laughs> kind of faded out for like a moment. And during that moment... I was given the complete grace when she opened her eyes. A moment, a couple moments later, I said, 
I think I'm going to apply to seminary. And I'm telling my sister the story who lives in Arlington, Virginia, down in Woodbridge. And we're sitting in a room, and it was bright in the living room, dark in the dining room, but I'm facing the dining room. And I get to the pinnacle of the story, and all of a sudden I see, what's who's that statue over there? Was that a, is that a new statue? She's like, no, we've had it for a couple months. It's a statue of St. Joseph. And I realized it was during the course of that novena to St. Joseph that at a time I was complete in indecision and not ready to commit for another six or plus months, I was given the complete grace to say yes. Mm. And I attribute that to St. Joseph. Wow. And to see that really he has that, that, that intercession. Last thing I, I leave is, is we wrap up. John Mark Mary Valley, who's up at Mount St. Mary's, yeah. teaches there. He had an insight in St. Joseph he shared with me one time, and he said this. He was really grappling with Joseph and said, you know, what did Joseph really give to Jesus? And his language was, when he was reflecting, he said, well, Joseph taught Jesus to work with wood and nails, and it was through that that he saved the world. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just beautiful. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, the sense that he would have been very familiar with the wood that he would have died on. Yeah. So, But what a great blessing. Father Basil Cole teaches at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., and is involved in parish missions. Uh, again, so much knowledge, so much, and a love for St. Joseph. Thank you for sharing it uh, with us today. Sure. Um, I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.